Hi, you are listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hawking Estates, Illinois. You will be hearing a sermon from Pastor Jared Aron. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning, everybody. If uh, you're newer to Harvest, my name is Jared, uh, one of the pastors on staff. And we have been working our way through the book of James. And we're in the final chapter, chapter 5. And so we're on the home stretch. I want to just start out by reading the text, uh, James 5, 7 through 11. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Let's pray again. Father, we uh, just thank you for your word. Um, God, we really this morning need to to hear from you. Uh, Many of us are going through very difficult life circumstances. And this scripture is very relevant uh, to people who are suffering. So, God, we pray that you would just give us ears to hear what you would want to say to us this morning. That our hearts would be open to your word. And you would bring hope in the midst of our difficulty. You would bring patience and steadfast endurance for us to continue to fight and to hold on to the truth and the great life that you've given us in Christ. So, God, I just I beckon, Lord, that you would just anoint my words and just use this message to really encourage us and strengthen us as a body. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a world of impatience. We have become so accustomed to life on demand and expecting everything to happen instantaneously. And it's not hard to see why. From high-speed internet to on-demand movies to fast food to same-day shipping, we're so used to getting anything we want right now. I was reading an article that was published in the Boston Globe last year about instant gratification and our struggle with patience. I want to just reference a few quotes. It says, a lot of things that are really valuable take time but immediate gratification is the default response. It's difficult to overcome those urges and be patient and wait for things to come over time. And a second quote, we're not wired to think about the long term anymore. I think we hear these words and there's no argument in our hearts. We know we struggle with patience. 
There's a cute story of a little girl who was sitting in church one Sunday. And the preacher was going on and on with the sermon. And the little girl was getting restless and impatient. And she turned to her mother and she said these words, Mommy, if we give him the money now, will he let us go? (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It seems like we've grown so accustomed to our lack of patience. In this country, we are not cultured to live as patient people. This morning, I really want us to wrestle with this and ask God to make us uncomfortable with our impatience. And what God says in his word, be patient, that not only does God mean it, but he gives us a reason for us to be patient. He will give us the strength that we need. As Pastor Dave has alluded to throughout the sermon series, we have to remember the audience that James is writing to. James is writing to a group of believers who are facing immense hardship. They're scattered and displaced from their homeland. And many are suffering from poverty and significant oppression. They're not going through minor troubles, little frustrations, but they're struggling through major life-burdening situations that are not going to go away. I know some of us listening to this message right now are in similar places. The challenges you face these days are not just minor annoyances or inconveniences. Whether it's physical ailments or emotional suffering, or long patterns of relational discord, whether it's in your life or in the life of someone you really care about, there's many of us who are, who are struggling immensely, who are suffering. And some of our suffering is very public and very known. And for some of us, it's very hidden and very private. Many of us are dealing with weighty matters, And some of you are suffering more than you ever imagined life would throw at you. And to get through each day is a challenge and a struggle. And you are so ready for this suffering to be done with. And so I just want to acknowledge there's people in this room that are in that place. And for some of us, life is more carefree, less burdensome. But there might come a point in your life where you are smacked in the face with some sort of suffering. I want you to pay attention this morning to what God is going to say to us. The whole idea behind patience is the idea of long suffering, to endure, to find strength, to continue on despite struggle, despite pain, despite difficulty. This morning, I truly do believe God wants to give us hope to remind us why and how we can be patient and to encourage us that we are all, what we are ultimately waiting for is going to happen. That one day soon, life will be fully restored to complete glory and wholeness when Christ returns. So as we look at this text, I want to offer up three questions about patience and try to address them 
and to teach us in light of Christ coming back what it means for us today. And the first one is why can we be patient? Why can we be patient? James 5, 7 says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. I wonder if we struggle with patience often because we're striving to be patient for something that's not guaranteed to happen. It's not promised to come. And here are some honest examples and maybe some things that are hard for us to admit. But you can, you can be patiently waiting to get that promotion at work. But there's no guarantee that you're ever going to get it. There's no guarantee you're going to have a job next week. We can be patient waiting for a loved one who is sick to get better. But honestly, there's no guarantee in this life that they're going to get better. You might be trying to get pregnant and waiting for a child, but there's no guarantee God's going to give you a child. These are hard things for us to admit. Maybe to lighten it up, you can be patiently waiting for the Bears to win a Super Bowl, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Shame on me. I'm working on my frustration from Thursday night and taking it out on all of you. I do predict the Bears will win 38-17 today. And I think in all this, we have to be honest that we can get very skeptical in being patient. Because many of the things that we're waiting for are not guaranteed to happen. Our patient with these things might not have an end point in this life. So we come to a text like this, and the first two words are be patient. I think we have to be honest with our skepticism. Because we might think, what is the point of being patient? And yet if we look at the first verse here, right away James gives us the point, the ultimate point of being patient in our suffering. He he encourages us to be patient because the Lord is coming back. And here's the guarantee that we need. Here's the end point of our patience that one day Jesus Christ will return. And when he returns, everything will be made right. It's interesting how matter-of-fact James is with this. He doesn't go into a lot of explaining about Jesus coming back. And why, why not? Because the believers back then knew this to be true already. It didn't need convincing or explaining. It was accepted as fact. Jesus will return. And he was asking the believers back then to hold on to this truth in the midst of their suffering. You cannot forget the Lord is going to come back and this suffering is going to end. And I wonder for us today, how often do we hold on to this incredible truth that suffering has an end point? Today might be tough. Tomorrow might get worse. But the truth is Christ is coming back. He's going to make everything right. We just need to hold on 
We just need to be patient for that day. Then James continues on in verse 7 by offering imagery that they would connect well with. He says in verse 7, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. In Israel, there was a rhythm to the farming season. The autumn and spring rains were essential for the planting and growing of the seed. The rains were part of the process that built up towards the harvest. And the farmer had to submit to the process and the conditions that he faced. A lot of people even in church today assume that I grew up in Wisconsin because of my football allegiance. But I was actually born in Elmhurst, not too far from here. So I always need to explain to people that my parents were born and raised in Wisconsin. My dad's here today to represent <laughs> the, the state of Wisconsin. So. And both my parents grew up on dairy farms. And so I remember as a child, we would go visit my grandparents and get to experience life on a farm. And life on a farm is so much different than life in suburbia. I was asking my dad for examples of patience growing up on a farm. He gave a, a few examples that I want to share. And a lot of this, we're not going to get this because we didn't grow up on farms. But in planting season, once it came around, you had to wait for the snow to melt. Otherwise, the tractors would get stuck in the mud. So perfect timing was required for planting. And they would feed the cows alfalfa. That's kind of a fun word to say, alfalfa. Um, is a form of hay. And they would bale the alfalfa, but they, they had to wait for the alfalfa dry to the right point. Otherwise, it would spoil if it was too wet. Or if it was too dry, it would burn up in flames in the heat. Again, timing was critical. The farmer is completely dependent on conditions that are out of his control. And patience is, requ is required for the right timing. For us, too, in our suffering, in our trials, we soon recognize very quickly how little control we have over this life. We can eat well and exercise, but really we can't control the health in our bodies. We can't always control the circumstances of our career. We, we can't control what will happen to our kids when we send them off to school. In a broken world where evil is rampant, we will not be unaffected by the chaos, the destruction, and the pain. Yet God asks us to be patient because Christ is coming back and all this mess will be put to an end. So to recap the first question, why can we be patient? We can be patient because we, we can look ahead with confidence, knowing that Christ will return. It is the end point of our long suffering in this world. The second question I want to throw out is how can we be patient? How can we be patient? In James 5.8, it says, You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Again, James calls the believers to be patient. Again, he reminds them of the Lord's coming back. He says the Lord's coming is near. 
In the middle of this verse is a small phrase, stand firm, which is packed with significance for us. The literal translation of this phrase is strengthen your hearts. Strengthen your hearts. The same language is used in 1 Thessalonians 3. It says, may God strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. In the midst of our suffering and God's call for us to be patient, God wants to do something in our hearts to help us endure and hold the course. For the farmer, they set their their hearts on the faithful rain that gives them confidence that the harvest will produce. For us, God wants to set our hearts on Christ's return to give us strength and hope that this suffering will not last forever. I truly believe that God wants to forge inner strength in us to endure, to be steadfast, to wait until he comes back. And James is challenging the believers to stand firm, to find strength in their hearts in the light of of eternity and the future hope we have. I love what Hebrews 6.19 says. It says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. When you think about what's going on in the Middle East with ISIS and all the Christians who every day their life is on the edge, they're at risk every day because of their allegiance to Jesus Christ. And how do they stand firm in the face of persecution, in the light of possibly dying because they love Jesus? It's because Christ has become their anchor, firm and secure. They know what the future holds for them, even amidst physical death. Our hope in Jesus Christ gives us an anchor to endure the raging waters of life and find security and find strength. The hope of Christ's return will strengthen our hearts and give us a future that no one or nothing can ever take away from us. I believe in a world that's constantly changing, a world that, in which following Jesus can become more risky We desperately need God to anchor us in the hope that will never fade away. And next, James is going to bring up an issue that the community of believers was struggling with here and now, something that they needed to address right now. In verse 9, he says, Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you too will be judged The judge is standing at the door. And throughout the letter of James, he's constantly bringing up struggles with the tongue, their sinful speech. And I think we all know this to be true, but when we're under pressure and duress, we can easily turn our frustrations upon one another. It's not hard to do. With a storm that hit on Friday, we lost power. Uh, We were out of power until 4.45 this morning. 
And that, that makes a blackout look so beautiful, but it, it was not beautiful in our home. I'll tell you what, when you don't have electricity, I mean, I know it's a minor inconvenience, but I think all of us were on edge, like even the kids. I mean, everything just took longer to do. You're trying to find your way in the dark. Where did I put that? We all were struggling, and it wasn't difficult to get frustrated with one another. I think sometimes we can easily excuse our frustration and how we lash out on each other because of the circumstances we're in. Because we're going through suffering, we feel entitled. Oh, I can treat people the way I want to treat them. But James is telling us, no, that is not true. God is calling us here in the midst of our suffering and our stresses to be very mindful of the here and now, especially how we treat one another. We need God to strengthen our hearts, to be long-suffering, to be patient with each other. We can't let our suffering and stresses lead us to lash out. We have to be reminded God sees it all, and it's all going to be judged by him. I think if we're really serious about growing impatience, a courageous next step you could take is ask your family members or your close friends when they see you on the edge, to call you out. Or to ask you, what's going on right now? It seems like you're on the edge. Give them the permission to do that. I think often we don't give each other permission in community to call each other out. We're struggling with patience and long-suffering. The final question I want to pose to us is, what will patience prove? In the end, what will our patience prove? In James, he gives two examples of patience from the Old Testament scriptures and what they proved in the end. And first he talks about the prophets who stood up and declared boldly the truth of God in the face of suffering and persecution. In verse 10, he says, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. I think my favorite you know, prophet is Jeremiah. I don't know why. I mean, he was a very depressed guy. But I don't know if you've ever read through the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, but it's heart-wrenching, the account of his life before his people. There's no doubt Jeremiah was relentless in standing up for God. And preaching the word faithfully, faithfully. But because of this, he suffered great opposition and persecution. At one point, he was cast into a water cistern, an empty one, left to die before he was rescued. And people like Jeremiah and the, and the other prophets didn't suffer because they were doing wrong things, but actually the exact opposite. Because they did something right, Because they followed God, they suffered immensely. Yet they were counted as blessed because of their persevering faith. I think it's important for us to remember that following Jesus, there's not a get-out-of-pain-free card that we get when we come into a relationship with Jesus. Following Jesus is hard. And because of it, we're going to endure suffering in opposition And James can say that the people were blessed 
Not in the sense that they were happy. Because Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. That's not the happy prophet. But they were blessed because God lavished his favor and brought them near to himself in the midst of their suffering. Being blessed has less to do with our emotional and physical state and more to do with our spiritual condition and nearness to God. Then continuing on in verse 11, it says, You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. I mean, all the Old Testament, Job is known as the man who suffered. A man who was very prosperous. He had everything going for him. In Job 1, 1, it says he was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. Then in a matter of moments, everything was taken away from him. His family, his wealth, his health, and he enters into a period of immense suffering. There's no doubt Job wrestled with God. He questioned God, but he never abandoned his faith. One commentator writes it like this, Job's suffering is no groveling, passive, unquestioning submission. Job struggled and questioned and sometimes even defied. But the flame of faith was never extinguished in his heart. And I think we need to know in our suffering... God does not expect us to to deny that we're human, that we doubt, that we struggle, that we experience pain and grief. He's not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our anger. God is big enough to handle it all. Yet he wants us to understand our finiteness. And acknowledge that this life is beyond our comprehension. And this is what happens to Job in the end. This is what the Lord finally brought about in Job's life. In Job 42, there's a breaking point for Job where he responds to God and we see what God does in the end. It says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. And You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you. But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. What God finally brought about in Job's life is a deep and beautiful humility and a great revelation of who God is. There's that one phrase. Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now... My eyes have seen you. Job knew God from a distance before, but now he knows God more intimately and deeply. 
And it's only because of his suffering that this was possible. For those of you going through immense suffering right now or suffering that will come in the future, you most likely will not know the reason or purpose of your suffering on this earth. And honestly, there's no guarantee that the suffering will go away or get better until Christ returns. But as you try to live patiently for that day, you need to know that God wants you to see him. He wants to reveal who he truly is in the midst of the pain. And what will you see about God? And this is what James says in verse 11, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. In the end, patience will prove the compassion and mercy of our God. He will reveal who he truly is. And even in the midst of enduring suffering, God will show himself to be tender-hearted and full of compassion. I was trying to think of an example of this, and I thought about when Jesus was hanging on the cross and suffering a, a terrible form of execution. And if we know the story, there were two criminals next to him, one on his left and one on his right. One criminal mocked and hurled insults at Jesus. He could not see who Jesus was. But the other criminal, in the midst of his suffering, he came to, sh- came to see who Jesus truly was. He says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at him and says, Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. This is such a beautiful moment where the compassion and mercy of Jesus Christ was revealed to a man who was suffering, a man who was in his final hour, yet he was able to see who Jesus was, and it changed everything for him. And I truly believe God longs to reveal himself to us in our suffering as the God of compassion, the God of unbelievable mercy, the God who is never far away, who's always available, who's ready to comfort, who's ready to strengthen, ready to bring hope when your life is falling apart. We have to remember that our present suffering is not the end of the story. God will transform whatever you're going through for good when Christ is revealed in glory. God will bring an end to the suffering. And in the end, his compassion and mercy will triumph and will be on display for everybody to see. I'll tell you what, this whole week I felt the heaviness 
this message. Because I know many of you are going through tremendous suffering right now as you sit here. But I want to remind us of the great hope that we truly have for those who have pledged their allegiance to Jesus Christ. Christ is coming back. It is not wishful thinking. It is a guarantee. What a day that will be. And what a future we have to look forward to together. Even Joshua and I were talking about the message on the way over here of being patient. And he was asking, when is Jesus coming back? I'm like, I have no idea, son. It could be tomorrow. It could be in 10 years. His heart was like, oh, I want to go to heaven now. And I'm, just, I'm excited to see that in my son, that he longs for the day when everything will be made right. I know there's a lot that we don't know about what our future will look like in heaven. And so it might seem scary. But what we know from Scripture is that it is the best life that we could ever imagine. Now, when we remind us of our future hope together uh, that God tells us about in Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Our future hope is trustworthy and true. Jesus will return, and a glorious kingdom awaits us, free of all suffering and disappointment and pain. And all things will be made new on that day. And yet we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. We don't know how long, but it will be worth the wait. My prayer for us is that God would strengthen our hearts to endure. That our future hope with Christ will be an anchor for our souls firm and secure. That in our suffering, we would find and know God more deeply. And remember that he is a God who is full of compassion and mercy. Let's pray.
God, I, I truly do pray that you would really give us ears to hear and understand what we just heard. That your word would not go in one ear and out the other, but would really sink deeply into our hearts. And maybe for some of us today, life is good. We're not experiencing much, much suffering or pain. And so it's hard to receive these words and really connect with them. But I just, I pray for those folks, God, that they would know of the glorious hope that's available to us with you. That the life to come is going to be so much better than the life we have here. That we would live now with eternity in mind. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are struggling right now. Their, their faith is almost gone. They're hanging by a thread. Life has become so hard, so full of trials and suffering. And God, I ask that you, the God of great compassion and mercy, would come near to them right now. Reveal yourself to them. God, we do pray for those suffering from physical ailments. God, that you would bring healing. You would bring wholeness and restoration. God, we believe that you do heal. But sometimes you leave that suffering for us to endure. And so God, if you don't take it away, God, I pray that you would strengthen the hearts of your people that their hope in you would truly be that anchor that they can build their life upon each and every day. God, help us when we're weak. Give us the strength we need. And I pray that in our suffering, God, we would be vessels of the gospel message that you sent your son to suffer and die for us, to take our place and that you have risen triumphantly and conquered death and sin. So even in our suffering, God, help us to embrace the gospel message and to declare it to others and to make your son Jesus known to this world. God, we can't do this without you. We need your grace. We need your help. So God, I ask that you would come upon your people right now and give us what we need. We pray this together in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.